Enswell Boxing. You're welcome on in. Ireland's Boxing Weekly Podcast on all things amateur, professional, domestic and international. If you'd like to find a link for all the previous episodes on any platform or if you'd just like to keep an eye on our social media, you'll find all of that and more in today's show notes. Joining us again to have a chat about his last fight, about his next fight, and about everything that's gone on in between is our friend, the Majestic, Junior Thompson. If you would have spoke to me 10 days previous, I probably wouldn't have been speaking like this. It was that tough. Um, I've been I've been in some... some These took me to some really dark places, uh, physically. And I'm reliably informed there are tickets left, just a small few, for the Grand Central Hall show on the Black Flash promotions. Get along there if you can and support Junior. And joining Junior on this episode is a guest that I've been tormenting. I've been hassling. I've probably been harassing him. He's a fantastic fighter. He's an even more fantastic fella. And he also happens to be a former world champion. He's been in with Errol Spence. He's been in with Manny Pacquiao. He's beaten the formidable Ruslan Pravodiganev. He's the man that everybody wants to be around. He's the one that girls want to be with. He's the one that guys want to be who else only the great Chris Algieri? And I've got I'm too busy writing my own script to, to look up and realize that, you know, I'm supposed to be in somebody else. What a fantastic line from a really fantastic fella. There's lots more in that interview coming up in a few minutes' time. So come on, follow me. Just to give you a little bit of an update on the podcast here itself, this will be one of three episodes that are ready to go ready to go I've used a couple of weeks where I've just been able to use a little bit of a little bit of time not as much as I'd like not as much as I want but as much as I can on a daily basis just to get together an episode so I have the final episode of Elites which are going to feature Ricky Nesbitt it's going to feature Evelyn Agaro and more and a focus on the amateur side of our elite champions for 2020 also have an episode coming in the wake of Jason Quigley's loss to Bubu Andrade. And what it does is it takes a retrospective look back where we hear from some former opponents of Jason as an amateur, some some well-known boxing names. You're going to know all, most if not all of those names. And just, just to kind of draw a little line under the doom and gloom and to prove that Jason didn't get where he got right now by overnight or by uh, flashing the pan. He got there by hard work and by being a top-class athlete. And this is just a little episode, I suppose, to take the sting out of the tail. And then there's this episode. So as I always say, it's like waiting on a bus in Dublin. Nothing for ages and then two or three come along at once. But more on all that later on. How are you keeping? You're looking a bit cold there. It looks like you need to get an extra pair of socks on. Maybe maybe an extra layer. Maybe a, a vest or maybe a long sleeve or something like that. But other than that, you're looking healthy. You're looking well. You're looking like you are all set. For Christmas, and man, who isn't? Stock up on all that good food. Stock up on all the drinks. Stock up on everything that you like. Make sure you've got the movies selected. You've got everything in place because if you can't do that at this time of the year, well then, when are you going to do it? When are you going to get a chance again to take maybe a week to 10 days maybe or a little less, whatever the case may be, to take your absolute favourite moments in film and sport your favourite food, your favourite people get the feed up, get the fire roaring up the chimney and sit back and enjoy the whole lot of it because I can tell you, that's what I'm going to be doing it's already ready it's already in place, everything is set all we got to do now is wait for that big red lad to come down the chimney and we will be laughing we'll be laughing, Where's he going to come to me this year? <laughs> I don't know about that, not so sure about that but 
And I know you're thinking, oh God, he's an awful one again. Not at all, not at all. And while I'm talking about a favourite food and good food and Christmas dinners and everything else, let me recommend a spot to you to get all your food, whether it's peeled potatoes, whether it's carrots, whether it's turnips, whether it's parsnips, cabbage, sprouts, no matter what it is you want. And you can have them straightforward, normal everyday veg, or you can have them prepared in shrink-wrapped packets, whatever way you want. Leinster Fresh Produce out there in Orthangan Industrial Estate. They're incredible stuff. All the best stuff you can have them to serve. Two people, ten people, five people, whatever you want, you can get it. And prices are down there around about 350 and upwards. You want to serve up the same food at hotels and restaurants and all the top pubs and places around the country and the county, this is the place to go. How do I know? Because I'm supplying them there every day of the week. That's where I'm working now. It's what's keeping me busy, keeping me learning. And it's paying the bills at the same time. So get out there to Ross and the gang. They'll look after you. Doesn't just have to be for Christmas either. If you're in camp, if you're preparing for a big fight, if you're trying to cut weight, if you're trying to keep on weight, whatever the case may be, trust me, it's the place to go. And I'm going to stick the link to their Facebook page in the notes below. So get on it there. Get out and say hello to Ross. And make sure when you're out there, let him know I sent you. So I'm sat here recording. My phone, as a rule, is off. I made a mistake today. I didn't turn it off. So I happened to look and lost my train of thought and I'm picking it back up here and I'm going to try and explain just a moment in time that um, summarises a lifetime. Um, a, a mate of mine, a very special mate of mine, a best mate of mine, um, decided to piss off to Australia uh, a good while ago now and uh, it seems a long time ago and yet with the press of a button and a listen of a tune it um, it all just comes back. Sliding doors will lead us places in the days and months and years. We only find out where we're going when we're already there. Sometimes love feels so different, and times seven sway. We get caught up in the moment, thinking about the one that got away. And it's the power of music. It's the power of a moment. It's the power of sport. It's the power of song. It's the power of creative. It's just power of, of people. And uh, when you make a connection and you have a connection and it's uh, it's real, it's 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 special and it's too special sometimes. Um, sometimes we put those specialties, those moments, those people, those connections, but sometimes we put them... We put them in a little box, maybe you want to say, at the, at the back of of um the back of the at the back of the room, the room being the body, the the this old thing here, and uh, yeah, he's he he's just caught me. You've caught me. There's been a draft in the in the studio here for the last um for the last fifteen twenty minutes or so since I since I began listening to it. And um, you want to listen to it? You're going to click the link and the notes in the in, the, in today's episode. Um, give yourself a give yourself a little few minutes to get lost in imagination and memory and everything else. It's special. It's special voice, special singer, special fella. And he's one of my very close pals. And and it's, it's um, yeah, we'll just park it there. You're probably wondering what that is or what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Damien Leith. He's a Kildare man. Well, almost. Nah, he is a Kildare man. He's a Milltown man. He's the most famous Milltown man. And he's, he's, he's my best mate. And... He moved to Australia uh, way back in 2006. It doesn't seem that long ago, as I said. And that recording there, the piece you're listening to, 
was a moment I captured the other night uh, when I was recording the Jason Quigley episode. And I was annoyed at first at myself for leaving the phone on, but then I just got kind of overwhelmed. I got lost. I just got sidetracked and I just said, you know what, I'm going to try and capture that moment. And I did and I sent it to him. And strangely enough, the draft that I felt here in the studio, uh, he, he felt all the way down under as well when I sent it to him. It's um, It's important at this time of the year to absolutely embrace who you have and what you have around you. It's it's important to make memories. It's important to appreciate who is around you. And no matter what you have, whether you haven't got much or whether you have it all, if you can appreciate those moments and you can appreciate being there and being with those people, well then what you have doesn't matter a damn. And I can tell you this much, some of the very best Christmases that I've had in my life, in fact, scratch that, the best Christmases that I've had in my life were spent with Damien and his family and me and my close family around me. And uh, I, I, I'm going again here. I'm, going, I'm almost going again, but uh, it's hard. It's very, very hard. And it's even harder in COVID times when you can't be around those people. Of course we can have Skype. Of course we can have WhatsApp calls. And of course we can send stupid, silly conversations that we always have and always did have. But it's it's just a little bit different, isn't it? It's just a little bit different. Damien's career... I suppose, took off when he won the Australian Idol in 2007. I think it was 2007. And uh, he, he had, um, it was it was at the very onset of those reality music shows. He he took the music world by storm in Australia and he really hasn't ever looked back. And strangely enough, his music career, while it's been catapulted and, and really, really prominent in Australia, it never really took off here at all. Sad to say. And that song there is one... I believe is his best yet. I genuinely believe that he's now starting to go back to back to those nights where we used to sit around with this this gonna sound silly, right? This is gonna sound kinda of Walton esque. But here's what it used to do. A bottle of champagne cider between maybe two of us, possibly three of us, and if we were really splashing out, we might get two bottles of champagne cider. It's called cava now. It's really fancy now. But then it was like vinegar. It was awful. But we sometimes would sit around, turn off the TV, turn everything off and just pull up the guitars, pull out the Cajun drums, pull out whatever we had beside us and just play songs, play music, shoot the breeze and shit talk. And um, I can tell you they were the very best nights. And mate, you're never far from my thoughts. You're you're never out of my thoughts, to be honest with you. And your mum, the wonderful Angela, my mum, second mum. Look, I could go on and on and on and I'd probably lose myself here again. Point being, this new single, it's now out on Spotify, it's now out on YouTube. Please, do yourself a favour and have a listen. And when you're listening to it, cast your mind back to those best memories of yours, whenever they were, wherever they were, and whoever they were with. And if you do nothing else for me this Christmas, if you do nothing else, I'm asking you, yeah, you, one favour. Download that song, have a listen to it. It'll mean the world to me personally. Lots of draft around this time of year, isn't there? Yeah, lots of emotion. It's what makes Christmas special. Let's get back to the boxing. It's a busy old weekend. It's a busy few days. Where to start? Who to start with? I suppose we'll start at the start. Friday night. It's all about the McKenna brothers again. And 2021 has been a real step up year for Stephen and Aaron. Both of them now under the Hennessy Sports banner and both of them lighting up the ent- and entertaining the audiences on Channel 5 Sports. Incredible fights, incredible performances and wins over the last few weeks. Both of them are undefeated. Both of them are now starting to 
progress and zero in on titles and those top contender positions. Aaron on Friday night faces Carlos Galileo, who's 8-1. and one. Stevie then on the same bill, the same night, at the same venue, on the same card, obviously, faces uh, Aziz Quadley, who's 19-5, and five, for both of them fighting for world youth titles under WBO and IBF. If bodies, I believe. So big shout out to the lads. Haven't chatted to them a while. I did try and get in touch with them this week, but look, fight week is just manic. It's mad for everybody. So lads, looking forward to catching up with you real soon. Brett McGinty also on that card as he looks to close out another successful year to move five and zero. Brilliant card again from Mick Hennessy, and he he's building that that stable. He's doing it all over again. He's done it so many times before. On the card we see Tommy Welch, we see Idris Virgo, and we see Casey Benjamin. And Isaac Chamberlain topping the card as well. So, big shout out and best of luck to all on that card there. Saturday night. Saturday night is Bedlam. It's hard to know where to start. And that's just from an Irish standpoint. Joe Ward will complete a successful 2021 comeback year in Madison Square Garden on the undercard of Lomachenko versus Comey. What a card. What an event. And what a what a way to finish the year for a fellow who started, I'd say, with a lot of questions. A lot of, I won't say doubts, but there must have been a lot of questions wondering... Could he get back to where he was? And, and the answer was a resounding yes. He will pick up a win, hopefully, against Britain Norwood and tee up an intriguing 2022 for Moat's former amateur world champion. John O'Carroll is back in business. Yeah, we haven't heard from John O in a while. John O is back at it in an eight-rounder against Brazilian Alio Maguita on the very first Pro Bellum boxing card, which, of course, will be in Dubai. Also on that card is Waterford's undefeated Rowan Date. Big Stevie Ward travels all the way to Kazakhstan. He doesn't do the easy ones, does he? And the big man, of course, was on here with us again in the past. He faces the former two-time world amateur medalist. How am I going to pronounce this? Kamshebliak Kunabayev. And that's about as close as my Kazakh will go. Uh, big shout out to Stevie. Haven't chatted to him in a while. Hope it all goes well for him. It's um, It's been a quite enough year for the man who's been busy up to this. So it'd be great to see him in business. Great to see him finish the year out with a bang. I think it's safe to say that most, if not all, casual fight fans' eyes will be on Liverpool this weekend. Belfast Black Thunder. Our old friend here, Quiven Ajarco, makes his matchroom debut on the Zones car under the Zone card. Kevin takes on Mexican Noe Larios, 14-0 for the WBO International Trinket Belt. Now, I know most people will think and worry when they hear Mexican and think, Oh no, we haven't had a good run against those lads lately. But listen, we checked a little bit into his record. Yes, he has 14-0, but hasn't really been fighting anybody of any serious standard. Nothing compared to Cuevin. But again, Cuevin will take the professional approach that he always does. He'll be, his preparation will be meticulous and he's buoyed now by the new announcement, new management deals, new promotional deals. The stage is yours, my man. Now it's time to light it up. And of course, of course we can't talk Liverpool without talking about the Queen Bee herself. Katie Taylor yet again puts it all on the line this weekend as she goes to top the bill or at least share top bill position in the MS Bank Arena in Liverpool. All the belts, WBC, WBO, IBF and Ring Magazine and her professional record, a perfect 19-0, all on the line in another mandatory challenge. And it should be, should be a routine run out for our girl, but in boxing, it doesn't always go that way, does it? Katie doesn't always do it the easy way. She'll face this time around Feruza Sharapova, Kazakhstan's first ever professional female fighter, a mum of one, 14 and one as a pro. That only loss, incidentally, came to another old familiar name, Sofia Ochegeva. And funnily enough, Sofia now part of Sharapova's backroom team. 
It'll be a tough enough test for Katie. She's starting to show signs for me, if I'm being honest, and I hate saying this because everybody who's anybody knows my love for this lady. It's incredible. Her 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 record and what she's done for the sport, not just female sport, for boxing in general, is, is hard to put into words at times. I'm loath to say she's on the slide. Really don't like thinking or saying that, but what I do want to say is, and what I've observed myself, is that she is getting hit a little bit more lately than makes me feel uncomfortable. I know she loves a scrap, nobody loves one more, but the head and the feet aren't moving as much as they used to before. She's she's kind of planting her feet a little bit more and she, she's, she's getting involved. She'll ramp up the pressure, she'll bring the heat, she'll bring all the experience and everything she's done and she'll get the job done. About Sharapova, what do we need to know? She has six KO wins, so she has a little bit of power, but all those KOs were against debut fighters and indeed six of her 14 wins came against debutants. Four of those winners. Four of those had winning records. So, look, it, it's it's not to be taken for granted. Any boxer that comes out of Kazakhstan needs to be treated with uh, respect and taken as a serious threat. But it's fair to say any opponent Katie ever faces off against, she treats in the same manner. So, so the very best of Irish luck to Katie at the weekend. I still harbour hopes and ambitions and, ho- and uh, of having her on the podcast here at some point. I know she doesn't do podcasts. I know she doesn't do very many interviews. But listen... Stranger things have happened. We've had Paulie Malinaji. We've had Wayne McCullough. We've had Ricky Hatton. We've had Jerry Cooney. We've had some of the very best of all across the different planets, all across the different countries around the planet. Who's to say maybe one day we won't have the lady herself? And last but not least, two home-based fighters in business on Sunday. Kingdom Warrior Kevin Cronin, our old friend here, chatting to him only last week. And just for the record, Kev... He got that prediction right. He told me months ago when the fight was announced first that he had a feeling Cambosis would be a serious problem for Lopez and how right he was, how right you were. So mate, carry that good luck, carry all that positivity into your fight and sign off 2021 with a big four-round win in Lancashire against Ryan Hibbert on Sunday night. Dom Donegan also looks to make an indifferent 2021 finish on a positive. And a shout out to Kevin Marie for giving both these lads a, a spot on the card on Sunday night because there's been a lot of promises, a lot of, let's just say, fights that didn't happen for these lads over the last couple of weeks and months. So it'll be great to see them rounded out. And, and, and Kevin's a great fella, Irish ca- connections, of course, and looking forward to catching up with Kevin sometime in the new year. First guest on the episode today. We've chatted to him so many times before, all the way through lockdown, before lockdown, after lockdown. I described Junior Thompson the Majestic back before many saw him or knew about him as one of the biggest secrets in boxing. I felt I was in on a secret that no one else knew. The secret is out. His performances up to now have been... Need me to jog your memory. Okay. Junior's coached by former Tyrone Pro and student of the great, great John Breen, D. Taggart. They've been busy all the way through lockdown. Fought and, uh, shall we say... It was almost like a, a putting themselves in the shop window the last time around. He did so. He the win, the prize, the bounty at the end of that one was a five-fight deal with Pat Barrett's Black Flash Promotions, and this is the first of those. You're going to see an even better and even more rounded and more complete performance from Junior on Saturday night, and he joined me earlier on in the week to chat about that and about everything that's been going on since that last fight. Mate, the last time we chatted was just about coming out of lockdown. You were heading into your yeah. fight. You won that one. You went three and zero, a six round yeah. points win. How did it feel? How how were you happy with it afterwards? You know, there's always things to improve on and and um, work on in the gym. But you know, considering the um, 
the what's the word the the situation that I was in you know coming straight out of lockdown first six rounds I'd ever I'd never done six rounds before so I ticked a lot of boxes um, and a lot of questions that I had to ask myself of course there's always going to be room for improvements and stuff like that but December the 11th is um, is another chance for me to you know to tick more boxes the six round fight people are going to say and anyone that's new to listening or anybody that mightn't be a boxing geek they might say oh you're a fighter six rounds it's no big deal you're an athlete you're fit as a fiddle healthy as a trout as Tyson Fury has said but it's a mental thing isn't it you need to know when that you can do six rounds probably 85 85-90% of boxing is in the head you know everyone's fit everyone's got two hands and everyone's got two legs and it's just how you put it together so for me you know again as you just said then it, it is it is mental it is only two rounds extra but it's actually a big deal at the same time. It'll be the same thing going into eight rounds. Yeah, it's only two rounds more than six. But it's it's all it's all in the head. Once you've you know once you've ticked that box, it's like you've knocked down a hurdling. You're very blessed to have have a team around you now, which I would say is I don't believe in perfect, but I would I'd go as far as to say it's it's complete, isn't it? I'm in a good place, Al. I can't lie. Um, you know, as you said, then I've got a solid family. Um, I've got a great household, and then I've got a coach that really really cares for me. So, you know. It's not, don't want to, you know, I touch wood. It's hard for me to fail at the minute, you know, in terms of my progression at the minute because everything's going, everything's going, going well. And then obviously, again, a massive thanks to, um, you know, Pat Barrett and Black Flash Promotions um, for giving me the opportunity to fight on on, um, on his cards all the time. So, as I say, I'm, I'm in a great place, mate. And um, ask any fighter, you know, when when your outside life is is uh, is positive, how can you, you, you your boxing side not follow? It it just it just goes hand in hand. The other thing that that Liverpool and and, and Irish are are just so renowned for is supporting one another, getting behind each other. Yeah. And one of ours goes to war, as, as McGregor says, we all go. But I listened to your ring walk that night. Of How course. does that feel when you're walking out there to that? It's it's indescribable, mate. To be honest, um, because as I say, when you're locked in the gym, you don't you don't you don't realize that kind of stuff. You just you're very tunnel visioned. But when you get to the to the arena and you see all that kind of support and you realise that, you know, Liverpool's Liverpool's only a small city, you know, and, and everyone's backing you. So again, it, it gives you that extra bit of energy. You get into the ring and, and you feel like the man. You know, everyone's cheering for you. It literally does. It gives you more energy. And, and you delivered in spades for a fella at that point of your career. It's It looked like you, you boxed without any cares, without any worries. You just did what you did. He was a very, very strong kid. But as I say, it's it's... One of the it's one of them things when you know when you've been putting all the work into the gym again. The, the you know the thing you're saying the biggest kept secret again. It's just down to the work, mate. Down to the work. You know when it was just me and D. I spoke to you at this stage of your camp the last time around. Yeah. And uh, I always have to admire Junior your your energy, your vibrance, your positivity. This time of camp, winding it down with a week to go, maybe ten days or so. Huge amount of work done, but knowing D and knowing you guys, it doesn't ever stop, does it? I think the day I stop learning boxing is probably the day I stop boxing. If I'm being brutally honest with you, but um, yeah, I, I always want to learn, and I'm always positive. Um, as I said, we spoke on air before, uh, off air before. I'm a massive believer in you know, you are what you think. For the for the coming down, you know, the, the end of the, the training camps, it's a lot more mental for me now. You know, just switching on and getting my mindset right as I said before I think 85% of boxing is in the mindset yeah I'm fit I can I do six rounds yeah I can I, I take that box last time am I well conditioned yeah am I on the weight yeah so now the only the only tool that's left to really sharpen is the mental side 
Um, and you know that that's that's the stage I'm up to now. And, I, and then come next week, I'll just be re- I'll be I'll be ready to go. I just say it's like tuning in a radio station. You just got to get it right yeah. in the sweet spot. Do you find, yeah. Junior, as these fights come and, and the more you have, do you find that you're able to do it a lot quicker? Do you find you're getting better at it? Or does every fight bring a different set of tunings? Um, a bit of both. Um, every, every, every fight does bring a, a different set of tunes, yeah, right. Um, but again, I focus on me. And I always, I just think if the right me turns up, the person in front of me doesn't matter. So I really do focus on getting myself right. Um, it definitely does get easier, uh, you know, with with more fights because it's experience. You've done it before. If you've never done something before, how can you know what to expect? You you can't. Um, that being said, yeah, it's a different person in front of you. But again, as I've just said, I'm always on it physically. So if I'm on it mentally. The person in front of me doesn't matter. I just need to do my job. How's this yeah. camp gone for you? How's it been? It's been by far the hardest camp I've ever done. Again, I can talk. I'm talking like this now. If you would have spoke to me 10 days previous, I probably wouldn't have been speaking like this. It was that tough. Um, I've been I've been in some... some. These took me to some really dark places uh, physically. Um, so... I know going into this fight, I know I'm going to be ready. Do you know what I mean? That's why I've got this kind of positivity now. As I say, if you asked me 10 days ago, I was, in, I was, I was beat up, I was tired. You know, I was mentally drained, I was exhausted. Um, but I'm starting to peak now. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's just, um, it's all falling in the right place. I'm just very, very, very lucky to have uh, the team that I have. Yeah. Um, you know, I always made weight quite comfortably. Um, and then D took me up to to, to uh, Kerry's house, and um, Kerry was good enough to you know he he basically broke down everything about nutrition down to me, and what I could eat, what I couldn't eat, and now I don't I genuinely don't feel like I'm cutting weight no more. Mm. Not and that's not an exaggeration. I don't feel like I'm cutting weight. It's like I feel like I'm just eating normal. He just he just broke it down so simple to me, and what not to eat and what to eat. And I couldn't believe the things I was allowed to eat. Like, I thought, you know, the diet, you've got to cut weight and cut this out, cut that out, you know, only drink this amount. And he told me, so I, I just followed that. And I, I genuinely, I don't even feel like I cut weight no more. December 11th, with uh, another yes. horde of supporters behind you, a wall and noise, all the work behind you, the camp and everything done. What do we expect from the Majestic? A more complete performance compared to the last time, I think. Like when I watched the last fight, I was... I was uh, What's the word? Maybe tentative, and you know, I was, I'm not. I don't know the word. Just, I just I was a little bit more reserved. I think this fight, I'm gonna be putting my hands together a lot better, move my feet a lot better, head movements. It'll just be a, a, a more complete uh, performance. Um, I've had lots of sparring in the in the run up throughout the weeks, and and um, yeah, I'm just I'm just ready to go and put a show on for my people, man. Well, mate, it goes without saying, we're sending you every bit of the of the luck of the Irish, and uh, you'll have the luck. Yeah, I appreciate it. You. Thank you. And, and I think you're going to need to get the physio in there to give the luck as well, from what he tells me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll send them a few physios numbers. He can he can choose which one he wants. Wonderful story, and I genuinely mean that. I don't just say it because it sounds good. I genuinely do feel that I'm in on a little bit of a a, a secret story or a or, or a developing story, shall we call it, with D with Junior, with his background, with the story and everything else, I think it's I think it's special and I think his talent is just undoubtable, it's unquestionable as I said at the top of the hour here there are some tickets still available I believe, so check in the notes for this episode below 
I'm going to put a link to Junior's Facebook page and you'll be able to get in touch there and get some tickets if you're anywhere in and around the Liverpool area on Saturday night. That's a show you don't want to miss. Junior is a special fella. Thank you for your time, mate. I know fight week is busy. D, it's a little bit later than I said and I anticipated, but I hope it's not too late, mate. And I thank you again, lads, for your time. I want to give a big shout out and a thanks, as always, to our amazing sponsors. Irish Power, the best Irish energy drink, and as far as I know, the only Irish energy drink on the market. Put a proper pep in your step. Whether you use it for pre-training or for Monday mornings or to even mix with a drink or two. Whatever you choose, go for Irish Power. It packs a proper punch. And also, Top Pro Boxing. Irish-owned, Irish-run company, Dublin-based. Mike is the man to go to. If you want wraps, if you want boxing gloves, if you want boots, if you want kit, t-shirts, sweatshirts, whatever it is you want, Top Pro Boxing are the ones to go to. Exporting kit to over 80 countries worldwide. Whatever it is you need, Top Pro Boxing have it. And what can I say about Violent Gentlemen? The best boxing-specific brand in the business. Boxing-inspired with a vintage concept. It's the brand that boxers all over Ireland are now starting to seek out and wear. Whether it's leisure wear, whether it's training wear, Violent Gentlemen is based in Belfast, the best boxing city in the world, as everybody knows. And if you don't want to believe me, take a look at their website, www.violentgent20.com. Violent inside the ropes, a gentleman outside them. Behave accordingly. It's hard to know what to say about Chris Algieri that hasn't been said over the years. He's been a pretty much mastered anything he's put his hand to. He's he'll tell you his story here. Uh, my my fascination with Chris began way back when he boxed Ruslan Pavodkinov, who of course shot to prominence with that war, that epic Rocky style war against Matisse, when they literally just lifted chunks of each other apart and um, just entertained to to epic levels. You know, it was it was hard to imagine anybody wanting to face Provodkinov after that win. But up stepped Chris Algieri, and he's more than just a pretty face, which sounds like a cliche, and it is in many ways. But when you look at this man, he really does have it all. He's very clever. He's he's polite. He's um, confident without being cocky. He's a former world champion, and he's he's just he's just a, a breath of fresh air. It was it was really really good to speak with him. And I've been I want to say thank you to my pal and to well known Irish fighter Larry Fryers, based in New York, who of course was in the same stable as Chris Algieri for a long time. And myself and Larry chatted about Chris a long time ago. We, he put us in touch and. It's only recently that I decided to try and get in touch. I didn't genuinely know at the beginning that Chris was going to be fighting Conor Ben this time of the year. And it just kind of came together nicely. And I was really, really appreciative and really happy to speak with Chris on Monday evening as he was settled down in Liverpool, putting the final touches to a camp that I think, I think we've seen before. I think we've seen Chris brought in many times as the B-side in many people's eyes and rip up the script and he he puts it so brilliantly himself as you're going to hear in a few minutes time so sit back and enjoy this one Chris Algieri is more than a boxer he's a special fella and I started off this conversation by sent giving him a couple of messages from some previous Brooklynites and Irish Americans and just nailed on boxing legends 
who uh, from the same neck of the woods as himself and, and we're sending him some good luck messages. And I pick it up here just after reading a message to him from Maureen Shea. And Maureen, if you're listening, we're still looking for that O. We know you, your ancestors left here as O Shea. That always got dropped somewhere. We'll find it for you, girl. Don't be worrying. And thanks for your messages. Um, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. And a hell of a, hell of a fighter. It's a hell of a, a special lady too. Special lady. Yes, absolutely. Um, another fella here that you know that, that we all know fairly well is uh, is Paulie Malinaji. He says uh, Chris is my friend. He's a great guy and he's very smart. He said it's a big fight for him, but just the way he likes them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, Paulie, always looking out. I learned so much from Paulie from my conversations with Paulie. Um, he, another special fella. You. You guys are um. You, there's not there's not too many Long Island champions or fighters, but I tell you what, when they do come out, they come out special, don't they? Yeah, there's there's something in the water there for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're 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 few and far between, but we're 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 badass. And tell me this, and excuse my ignorance as as an Irishman, um, we we here would probably throw you all into the same category. We'd say you're all New Yorkers, but would that be an insult mm-hmm. or would it be? Is it just a a broad a broad um? description of where you'd be from no no new yorkers, new yorkers is true like we're long island guys are still we're still in new york we're still considering new york we still rep new york i wear a yankee a new york yankees hat into the ring um you know we just have a special distinction because we're from long island and we're not really known for for boxing people think of new york boxing they think of brooklyn they you know they think of the bronx uh they don't necessarily think of long island so it's an extra distinction but we're new yorkers through and through yeah yeah no, when i think new york i think uh yeah, that's where one of my favorites outside of boxing. Um, the only other, the only big love that rivals, apart from family, that rivals boxing for me is music. And when I think music, I think uh, Billy Joel. And man, that's where that man plays his piano. And that's <laughs> there's no one does it better, really, is there? Yeah, absolutely, absolute legend. Absolutely incredible. But um, Chris, I'm absolutely delighted, as I said, to welcome you on. And and I have to give props right at the top of this here um, to the man himself who, who made this possible for me and put me and hooked me up. He, he's to say he's special and to spe- say he's a mate of mine, I don't think it's close. He, he, he. I know you have a very good, great affinity as well with our man Larry Friars. He's, he's, he's a great guy, isn't he? He is. He is. Him and I have shared the, you know, the ring in the gym. I mean, literally countless times. Um, he's just a wonderful guy in and out. You know, from from his heart in the ring to you know how he is as a person outside. He really is uh, somebody special, like you said. Man, I just literally got another message here. Wow, they're coming out with a woodwork here for you. Uh, Shawnee Monaghan, that's my boy. He's from Hun- ah. he's from Huntington, Long Island, not Brooklyn. Ha ha. Ask him if he remembers cutting me with that body shot when I sparred him before. Um, when I, when we sparred him in Baltimore, we both just before we both went pro. Another incredible man. Wow, they're coming out for you tonight, my man. Yeah, it's my my people, man. Like you said, there's there's not a whole lot of us Long Island guys, but uh, we definitely look out for our own and New Yorkers in general. But yeah, now Shawnee is Shawnee is uh, something special too, man. He's just he's everyone likes that guy. Long Island, he is he is an absolute star. He, I mean, and you can't go anywhere where people don't 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 know who anyone who knows Shawnee knows that he's just a great guy. And tell us about that body shot. Did you did you damage him? Did you? It takes a special sort of shot to damage <laughs> that guy. A little, <laughs> up. You know, it's it's one of my secret weapons, but. I tell you what, you have to be packing something, mate, to put Shawnee in trouble because he was made of steel. He was a special sort of fella too. Oh, absolutely, man. He was a hell another guy. Another guy, super tough, hell of a fighter. Uh, always fun to watch too. I mean, no matter who he was fighting, the guy went to war. And the other thing is, there apart from Americans and Brooklynites and New York, 
Irish in New York, man. What's it about? What, what's that all about? Like, we're, we're everywhere, aren't we? Oh, my God. We got a lot of you guys. Forget it. I mean, and, and where I'm from, Long Island, pretty much everyone's Irish and Italian, um, but have normally been there for an, uh, multiple generations. As you get more towards, like, the city and the boroughs, then you see, like, the quote-unquote real, real Irish, you know, people who are from Ireland, uh, Italians as well. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> Irish is very strong in New York, you know, and, and some of the best people I know. I often wonder if we never left this island, how many of us would we be here and where would we put us all? Because we seem to be everywhere. We seem to be all over the world. <laughs> you guys are like rabbits. You really you spread out and multiply. Well, there's a famous saying, there's a couple of things Irish do well. There's fighting and there's... and <laughs> So uh, yeah, 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 that sums it up. You've got it in one there, mate. Um, <laughs> but tell me a little bit, I suppose, without going... Because, listen, there's so many strands to the Chris Algieri story. We could be here for multiple episodes and I don't want to do that because you've got a fight at the week weekend and we don't want to take up too much of your time but um it's well known that you came to boxing chris from kickboxing and uh, i i spoke to uh, a well-known former world kickboxing champion chrissy mcmahon who transitioned and she said the reason she wanted to plant her feet and become a boxer was because she didn't want to spend as much time on her arse <laughs> putting it bluntly um I, i'd say there's a little bit more to it but what took you across and what helped you transition or what what did what was it that made you transition across to to boxing you know, that's a great question. And honestly, it's something that was always in my mind, always as part of my plan. You know, the first sport I ever remember watching as a kid was boxing. You know, I always considered myself much more of a puncher than, than a kicker, even when I was kickboxing. And anyone who had seen me kickbox definitely realized that, that my hands were my strength. My kicks were good. I was world class. But, but really, it was, it was my hands that got things done. Whenever I had gotten into trouble in the ring, which in kickboxing was often because kicks are brutal, um, you know, it was always my hands that got me out. So the transition for me was something that was inevitable. And, you know, I was a two division undefeated world champion in kickboxing. So there really wasn't much left for me to do because there wasn't much money, especially at the time. So for me, making that transition to boxing, it was just an inevitable, inevitable step. And, and the footwork in kickboxing, is it as intricate? Is it as important? It's probably more important, isn't it? Because those kicks, as you said, they're, 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 they're vicious. They're, they're beyond dangerous. So is it just as important or is it less so? Because in boxing, you really only have the two tools, don't you? You've got the left and the right. So... Is there is there a difference? Is it just a different set, setup? It's different. It's very different. Um, it's I wouldn't say it's not as intricate because a lot of the moves, the kicks, the, the movements are bigger, right? They're bigger. They take more time. So there's there when when you, I look at everything from a rhythm rhythm standpoint. So the rhythm of kickboxing is much slower than that of boxing. You know the combinations of of hand hands that you can throw. You know uh, you can throw multiple punches, multiple strikes with your hands. Whatever it take you to take one strike with a kick because it takes up that many beats and that much rhythm. Um, so the, the footwork is different, not as intricate, a little bit bigger. Um, definitely, you know, it's, it's more of a power sport than boxing. Boxing is a lot more speed, uh, a lot more conditioning, a lot more endurance. But I think because we're only worried about two weapons and you can master the left and the right, it's, it's, it's like finer tuning, you know, for, for boxing. So it takes a lot more work focused on just those two weapons. And before kickboxing and before all of that, I suppose, taking it back a, a stretch farther, uh, the Chris Algieri, the kid. I'm, I'm, forgive me for guessing, and I'm going to speculate here. I'm guessing an all-American kid, uh, if we want to call it what we see here in the mood, the, the jock, quote-unquote, style. Was it all sports and any sport? Was it everything, um, or or was there? Were you selective? Did you just did you, did you have your favorites and stick to it growing up? Yeah, no, definitely all-American kid. I grew up in the suburbs on Long Island, um, you know, but. Sports were not really stressed big in my house, my household school was. So I was very, very focused on that. Um, you know, I was a little more brain, more, more of a brainiac kind of kid when I was younger than, uh, than you may think 
you know, a lot more reading, a lot more drawing, spent a lot more time inside. When I did find my way to sports, uh, team sports were not for me. I played everything, you know, where I came from, like there was baseball and there was soccer and there was football. I tried everything. I didn't like it. Um, I liked everything to be more individual, but I was a pretty good scrapper and street fighter. And that led me to, to martial arts. And I fell in love with that pretty much day one. It was, it was solely focused on myself. Um, it was just what I had, my hands and my feet. And I was used to fighting. So for me, it was, it was, a, it was a perfect fit. And then from then on, literally the only thing I ever wanted to do was fight. It's, it's something that goes hand in hand with, um, I, forgive me for, for saying so, it's, it's not that it, it's just when I spoke to Maureen, I spoke to Polly, I spoke, growing up on the street, not literally on the street, but growing up as a kid who plays on the streets and hangs out, it seems to be far more frequent that it was there was a fist fight and it was it was happened it was a, it was part of a daily event is that something that you just become used to and that then led towards the boxing or is it every kid basically went through it whether you were a boxer or not i think the, you know definitely like where i came from and, and Shawnee monahan kind of attests to it in, on long island you know fist fights were were pretty common in the areas that we grew up and you know but it was it was more honorable than than i think maybe mm-hmm. things are today you know, we didn't have guns and we didn't have knives. It, d- it didn't come to that. You know, you, you, you threw hands, you, you got beat one day, you, you know, you came back another day. It, it didn't mean you came back with a knife now or you come back with a gun, yeah. which a lot of kids are, are you're seeing these days. Um, you know, it's just, it just I don't want to say it wasn't as important, but there was some kind of ethics to it, you know, um, coming up. And I remember vividly often fighting with like fights that my brother set me up to fight, you know, I'd be like, all right, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fight after, after baseball practice. And it's, we all line up in a circle and, you know, and two kids get in the middle and, and we fight until somebody gets dropped or gets, you know, put in a position they can't, they can't defend themselves. And then, okay, the fight's over. And then we go on and maybe I'll see you next week. Maybe I won't, but you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. The, the, it, it, as brutal as that sounds and as frightening as it might sound as a parent, there is an honor to it, you know. There, there is, a, and 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 it's something that's lost right now. It's, 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 mate. Where you are right now, there was an event in Liverpool last weekend that just, it broke my heart, and it, it stuck in my head for days after a young girl um, was stabbed in, in 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 such a simple event like opening of, of Christmas lights. It's those things like that are beyond words, you know. And and uh, um, I I would wish, or I wish so much, and I would love to be in a position to be able to push boxing or or some self defense form in in school in PE I think it's I think that goes a long way it would go a long way towards maybe not solving it but at least giving kids an opportunity a chance you know not to be not to be feel the need or the want or the will to put to carry such a weapon because it's there's no comeback from it for anybody you know yeah absolutely I mean and and it worked for me you know martial arts kept me out of fighting in the street once I started that and I knew that that was what I wanted to do or if I had a fight coming up or belt testing whatever you know kept me from getting into trouble gave me a reason not to not to look for you know any kind of angst outside and a little bit of an off-topic question here a little bit of fun um which do you find more difficult to understand larry fryer's irish accent or the local accent there in liverpool (laughs) (laughs) that's uh uh, that's a good really good question um we love you larry uh, i really do love you mate (laughs) larry might be tougher for me yeah, he has a bit of a he. He's from a place here called County Monaghan, hey, and everything ends in a hey. Everything ends in an accent that goes like, "Hey, how are you, hey?" And yeah. it makes I, I love him the bits, and I know he's going to listen to this. He's messaged me a few minutes ago. To be sure to tell Chris to say hello. Have to catch up with him soon. He, he's he's beyond special, but um, mate, your accent, you know yourself. <laughs> we leave it there. <laughs> um, so Larry's accent is pretty tough. 
Uh, it is, it is. And he'll never lose it either. He's another kid on the way as well. Actually, big shout out to Larry and Catherine because, um, mate, you're making up for lost time. Three on the way now and, and I bet you there'll be another B. We've had a Bobby and a Bella and what's next? <laughs> um, we, we, we touched on that, man. You guys are... Uh, <laughs> we did. Multiply. We did, we did. He can fight and he can reproduce. He's doing yep. it and he's representing, he's representing. Um, Chris Algieri hits the ground running as a boxer, mate. We could go into it all, but there's no, I don't want to do that because basically for anyone that's not familiar or anyone that's not a, a boxing geek, as I like to call them, you hit the ground running. You had a 19 straight wins in your first six years, which puts you straight into contention with, for me and for most boxing uh, enthusiasts, he is and was one of the most feared and ferocious champions of his era and, and pretty much of any era in Ruslan Povodkin. Obviously, you as a fighter, as, as, a, as a professional boxer, I won't say it does or it doesn't, but it, it can't be a big as big a factor as it is for, for, for the man on the street. But that fight could easily be a podcast in itself. It was a difficult start. It was a difficult fight with a, an even more difficult start. But, mate, I think that win, if you don't mind me saying, I think that win gets better and earns more respect as the years go by because it's fair to say you, it didn't get the respect it deserved at the time, did it? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with kind of the narrative leading up to the fight, you know, what I was brought in to be, uh, what Provodnikov was was supposed to be. And, um, you know, I wasn't given much of a chance, you know, I wasn't given any chance. I was I was a lamb being led to slaughter, essentially. Um, and yeah, I think I, 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 I agree with what you said, your assessment that it probably gets more respect now than ever. Uh, people who go back and watch it. It's, you know, it's, it's honestly, I watch I watch all my fights as if I'm not with the one fighting, I watch it as a fan. I watch it as, as a, a third party. And, you know, I love watching that fight. It's, it's, it's iconic, you know, and, and no matter what I do in this sport, I, you know, that's, that's in there, you know, and I, I don't have that much, I don't have really anything to prove at this point. I'm doing this because I love it. And, um, you know, for me, you know, that, that, that was a very special night and it led to a lot more, many more special nights. So, um, yeah, I mean, and listen, I'll, I'll come back and talk to you anytime. You know, I know it's fight week and I don't want to, take you know you're not gonna take too much time but i can come back and talk about that fight in particular or any other fight if you want to go into more depth yeah, that would be that would be an absolute honor and that'd be brilliant as i said i'm trying to skip over do your do your career some respect but at the same time just to the key points of it and if we just a little bit on that fight it was it was a horrific start i mean your, your eye in the, in the rest of the fight as it went on you were boxing we want we want to say from an outside point of view it looked like you were boxing with one eye but mate you boxed. It was the sweet science against the the, the rugged sheer ferocity of it, and 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 the beautiful the, the, the sweet science won out that night. Um, how how powerful? Describe. I suppose if we look at that and we look at the likes of Errol Spence, and then we look at Manny Pacquiao, they're very different. But that ferocious power in that early round, do you become immune to it? Do you become numb to it almost, or are you aware that I just got to avoid this and I got to box? No, no, no. You definitely don't become immune to it. If anything, you know, um, you know, if you, especially if you're damaged early, you, you take the punches less well as you go a lot of times because if you're already rattled, it takes even less to get you more rattled. Um, you know, that's why getting getting hit so often as the fight goes on is 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 not good, and 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 defense is really important. But yeah, I mean, he he was the hardest puncher I ever fought by far. I, I didn't know people could punch that hard. Um, you know, he was brutally strong in every way. Uh, he's made out of iron. Hitting him was, was – I've never hit somebody and, and felt like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, but and I, like I said, I, I, I was blind. I was blind in that mm. for the majority of the fight. And I had mentioned rhythm earlier. And once yep. once I found my rhythm and my timing, I didn't need to see. 
a lot of the, a lot of the punches. I knew they were coming. I knew I knew the way they were coming. I knew the trajectory, and I just had to be you know be smart. As a drummer, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, know, I must do a video eventually on offbeat and off rhythm and broken rhythm. It's it's it would explain an yeah. awful lot to to the casual fan. But um, to sum that one up, mate, it was in your hometown as well. Again, we'd say it broadly. Describe that feeling if you can. Winning a world title in a fight where every quote unquote expert in the game said what they said, and you went and up, turned it all up. You ripped the script up, not for the first time and not for the last time. Special, I wouldn't say comes close, does it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you said it was in my hometown. It didn't feel like that leading up to it because initially it was supposed to be on Long Island, Nassau mm. Coliseum. And then Brett Yarmark from the Barclays Center, who is of Russian descent, he swept in and, and, and stole the bid and they got it. So I was thinking like, oh, man, this guy's got his his countrymen, you know, taking over. This is this is this is a bad situation. And we went to, you know, like a little Russian part of, of Brooklyn to, to do part of the press conference. I was feeling very, very uncomfortable going into that fight. Um, and I wasn't giving much attention at all. I really was there just to, you know, to get my, my zero taken. So, um, but I mean, I sold $60,000 in tickets. I had tons of people come in from Long Island and New York and all around had a tremendous amount of support and, uh, we got the job done and yeah, it was, it was definitely one of the, the greatest feelings of my life, you know, that night on, on, on June 14, 2014. Never, never to be repeated. If you were to win six, seven, ten more titles, mate, the first one is always special, isn't it? It's, it's an incredible feeling oh. like that, that we could only dream of, and you've done it, and no one can ever take it away from you. So, regardless of what those experts, as we say, say, it's, it's respect was earned and and demanded and earned right on that moment and on that spot. And credit to you for that. It was, I still love watching that fight. I really do because it's. Um, I remember watching it, thinking not knowing much about it. But learning as I went along, wow, there's so much more to boxing than just being a a, a killer puncher, you know. And and that was it. That was one of the typical explanations or typical examples of it. Um, we again skip on forward. You faced again one of the living legends that over time you'll be able to say you shared because there's not many got that opportunity. You you got your fight. You earned that fight. It was there on 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 merit. But describe to me facing again Manny Pacquiao again. You find yourself as the B side brought into to be to be the B side. But um, you could, you fought that fight on its on its on its merit. And how difficult of an opponent is he? Because he has so many different attributes that that just don't make sense at times, don't they? Yeah, that's perfectly put. So many attributes that don't make sense at times. He, he literally he does everything wrong and makes it work. Yeah. He's extremely extremely hard to prepare for. And I didn't have a lot of time, you know, between the Ruslan fight and, and the Pacquiao fight. Well, you know, it was in June to November, but I also had a broken orbital. So I had, you know, the healing time and I spent a lot of time not being able to train. Uh, I had a black eye for two months after that fight, you know, and, and making sure that that thing was going to heal properly. Uh, we had to start sparring very gingerly and very, very late uh, in the training camp. So preparations for that on top of being, you know, Manny pa- preparing for Manny Pacquiao mm-hmm. – we had some we had some extra troubles. So, you know, preparing for him was really difficult, but also just being in the ring. He was a lot smarter than I expected. His defense was way better. His footwork is his talk about timing and off rhythm. Wow. I mean, his ability to change. I just felt like with him, I just was always a step behind. Because once I finally did find his rhythm, he changed it. Yeah. He was very aware of, of of my timing and rhythm and was able to adjust really well um, as we were going in real time. At times like that, Chris, forgive me for saying, when you look at him, and it wasn't, it's every opponent he faced, even when he was defeated, it's as if that, and, and it sounds silly, 
and, and I don't like using cliches, but it really does seem at times that he has a sixth sense. It's like no matter what you do, you, you change that rhythm, you change the approach, you change the angle, he's there already. It's like at times he's sliding and gliding. It's, it, as I said, it doesn't make sense, and, and I guess that's what stands living legends out from, from everybody else, and that's not to put anybody else down. It's, um, it's I suppose, what... It, it just doesn't make sense is the best I can and that's not been in any way disrespectful it's 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 more of a of a of a compliment I suppose than anything else yeah I mean absolutely he you you, you put it really well honestly it's you know it, everything that he does looks so frantic but it's very calculated and he's he's very aware I think his awareness is probably something that doesn't really get noticed by people or ever brought up when they're talking about him but it, his awareness in the ring from all the experience that he has is is and he's 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 more comfortable in that ring than anywhere else that's why um I'm, i was always thinking about you know him and his retirement it's like what's this guy gonna do this yeah. is this is what he does um you know and and hopefully he he keeps on doing what he's doing for his people because he he does have a big heart in that way and the mental side of the game the mental side of every the mental side of boxing i i, I always say is that and, and most people will will be in agreement it's 85 to 90 percent well at least 75 to 80 percent of the game when you're preparing for an opponent of the caliber of Manny Pacquiao, does it bring an extra little bit of a challenge? Does it bring that extra side? I mean, you're a sharp good. You're you're well tuned in. You're around the game a long time. You're in touch with your nutrition. You're in touch with that mental side of it. But at that point of your career, does it bring that extra element of, of preparing mentally? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I had to bring my game up so much in terms of um, you know training, preparing, recovery, uh, the mental aspect, psychology of it. I mean, two fights before I was literally, I was making, you know, pennies. I was yeah. broke, you know? So for me, um, the step up to the Ruslan fight was such a major steep climb, um, from training. And then it was like from there to go to Pacquiao, it was just like, it was very, very, it was a very steep, steep ascension that year. So for me to, to step up literally every part of my life was necessary in order to, to be competitive. We're fast forward to this weekend where, where, um, you're topping the bill in Liverpool. You've got our, in my opinion, the greatest the greatest athlete ever to leave this island. And, and we've had some crackers. We've had some great lads. We've had some great girls. But Katie Taylor, she shares the, the bill with yourself. And again, again, we're here. We, we have Chris Algieri brought in, as some will say, to face the star. But um, if people haven't learned by now, Chris Algieri don't read scripts. Chris Algieri doesn't do scripts. Chris Algieri tends to take those scripts, tear them in pieces and, and, and walk away laughing as they hit the floor. Mate, mm. when are people going to learn? <laughs> Does it suit you? I don't know. That I'm too busy writing my own script, you know, and, and that's, and I've got, I'm too busy writing my own script to, to look up and realize that, you know, I'm supposed to be in somebody else's. So, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll never learn it or maybe it'll be like, you know, kind of the Ruslan fight people kind of look back on it later on and and they get more credit more respect you know down the line and when i say we've been here before i i again let's zero that in a little bit we we've been here before we saw tommy hyde brought to your hometown again broadly to face you and that was to be a step up for him and and it was done in a in a fashion it was i love tommy hyde's career i all or tommy um Coyle's career sorry Coyle. I keep yep. calling him. we have a fighter here in Ireland an amateur called Tommy Coyle so shout out to Tommy as well but Tommy Hyde was brought there and you dissected him you took him apart you beat him and you stopped him and it was done in clinical fashion and for me the similarities in that fight and this are I want to say they're kind of obvious but 
a little old guy here on a podcast here in Ireland, it's, it's not going to get much um, respect or, or credit for saying that, but I can see so many similarities, Chris. Can you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tommy was an explosive guy, knew he was dangerous, knew he could punch. You know, he hurt almost everybody he ever fought, even at the higher levels. You know, the guy was, he was a dangerous guy. Um, you know, and, and I could have made that fight a lot easier than I did, but I wanted it to be good. You know, it was, it was on a, it was on a big stage. Um, and like you said, I, I was, even when the fight was seemed to be quote unquote competitive, I was always picking him apart, picking the spots, you know, taking advantage of every opportunity. Um, I'm sneaky. I do a lot of things in there. that I think a lot of the casual people fans don't see. I think judges don't see it sometimes because I look at these scores and some of my fights. I'm like, really? I was in control. You just couldn't, you couldn't sell, couldn't tell. Um, you know, so it, th- those kind of things, I'm going to have to dig deep for this fight and use all those tricks that I got in my, in my very deep bag for that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, these are the kind of fights I've been fighting my whole career. See what you just said there, mate. I'll show you. I'll send you a snapshot after this uh, of a photo, of a note that I just scribbled. I like to doodle. When you said sneaky and do stuff that people don't see, I just wrote yes and I drew a circle around it. When I watched that Provodkinov <laughs> fight, it's so clear. It's so clear. Yes, yeah. the concussive shots are coming, but they're coming on rhythm. They're coming on beat. So everything in the offbeat, they're coming from you. you they're coming yeah. underneath. They're coming around the top. They're coming on the side. You're doing the horrible stuff. Yes, he's landing the obvious loud concussive shots, He's not getting looking the way he is for nothing, is he? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you see it. You've got a good, you got a keen eye. Well, I'm learning from a guy at the moment that I think you'll know and that we all love and know is Wayne McCullough. He learned from Eddie Futch. I'm obsessed with Eddie Futch. I'm obsessed with Manny Stewart. I'm obsessed with those old guys. And Wayne is my mentor right now. He teaches me as much as he can teach me. He tells me, listening to the likes of Maureen, I speak to Phil Derue, I'm I'm so blessed to have contacts like that. I'm so lucky that these people want to give me your time. And, and I include you in that, Chris. I won't take much more of your time, mate. Nutrition to me is, I would say, one of the biggest, if not the biggest additions to not just boxing, but professional sport right now, along with uh, sports science and sports um, psychology. You also happen to be uh, pretty damn good at that too, mate. Where did that come from? And, and uh, it's incredible, really, isn't it? Yeah, it, it honestly, it came, it was, it came out as being selfish. You know, I was, I was looking after my own, my own, my own self and my own career. And, um, you know, I didn't have an amateur background. My first boxing match was my pro debut. You know, I was a kickboxer before that. Um, but even that I kind of started pretty late, you know, I was, if, you know, fighting at 15, 16, I was fighting a lot of guys who were, you know, who, you know, much older, you know, had, had much more experience than me. You know, I turned pro at 19 years old. So I, I, I was always felt like I was behind. And I used my athleticism and my knowledge of training and nutrition to bridge the gap. I wanted to be a better athlete. So in case I did have any go and fall into any trouble that I would be able to bank on that. And the nutrition really helped because it helped with the weight cuts. I had more energy. You know, I've always known, I've always been known for having a great gas tank. I've always been known um, for making weight, you know, no problem. So it's, uh, it's definitely helped me throughout my career. And listen, I'm 37 years old. You, you stand next to me and tell me I'm 37 years old. Be next to me in the gym and, and, and tell me I'm 37 years old. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I thought 37 was ancient. Now, I mean, forget it. I feel physically as good as I ever have. I've said this so many times before, Chris. I've said it the same. I said it the same about myself. I don't look my age or act my age. And the day I do, the day I even start considering that number that goes before, before or after my name is the day I start acting it. And and that's that's a downward incline. Downward. It's a decline. Um, I, I would say, mate, you, you're a classic example of age just being a number. But you touch something there again. Aesthetics, people look at Anthony Joshua, they think, wow, 
this guy is an Adonis. They look at Conor McGregor, they think, wow, he's chiselled. And then they look yep. at them after three rounds and you think, wow, but what happened? You know, um, can you, is there a science, is there, is there something that you could put, I know you're, I know this is another one that could be an episode in itself, but if you could sum that up, it's, it just classifies, typifies everybody's different and every makeup is different. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. And you got to learn your own body. We're all, we're all so unique, but really it, just, it comes down to the lifestyle. And I've been I've been preaching the champion lifestyle for for so long. Whether you're where you're a first timer or or a weekend warrior or anything, act act like a champion. You know, pr- prepare like a champion. When you're going to the gym, even if you're going literally just the bag for a few rounds, think of yourself as being a champion and going in there and being the best version of yourself at that moment. And I think living that lifestyle day in and day out makes a big difference you know we see a lot of these guys who blow up in between fights and or you know they have bad habits or or vices and whatnot you know it, it all affects you in the ring and i've been one of those guys who have had all of those things under control for so long that you know uh, you're naked when you find when you're in the ring man anything that you did wrong shows so you know not having and not having those those issues goes a long way the last question I have for myself, and then I have two from fans, and I let you go, and I promise, and I hope I haven't taken too much of your time. Um, no, 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 I just I have I have another uh, another interview, but yeah, go ahead. You rip up the script on uh, this weekend, coming, mate. What's next for Chris Algieri? Ah, uh, man. Well, I mean, I've always been an opportunity guy, so whatever, whatever, you know, whatever comes up. But you know, I think I still have some big fights left in me, and I'm going to do this until I don't want to. That's been my mindset, you know, for the last decade or so. Um, I love this. I love this job. I love. I love the training. I love fight week. I love fighting. So until I don't like what I'm doing, if I don't like the preparation, um, or if I can't compete at the level that I believe I should be, then you know that that'll be my that'll be my retirement age, whenever that may. Top class. Uh, two questions for you. One from Niall uh, Barrett, who's a who's a top coach here in Ireland. He has a phenomenal lightweight uh, prospect coming, Gary Cully, underneath. He's he's a six foot three southpaw lightweight who doesn't even have the weight cut. He's he and when we say he does everything that doesn't make sense, but Niall is his coach and he and he has an, an amateur club here in Kildare as well. Chris um, has been part of many camps, both as a fighter and as a nutritionist. Uh, some iconic fighters the one that he chooses to mention Chris is Danny Jacobs a legend in his own right if he never talked boxing we talk about what he's done and how he's done it Niall wants to know is there anything that you've done or that you've taken from those camps with an outside eye that's helped you in your career oh absolutely and 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 learning something that you said is that we're all so different you know um you know watch the way that Danny trained literally I spent five camps with him he trained different every camp so, so understanding that each person is so individualized, but each camp is so individualized. Um, he was such an incredible athlete and so good at so many different things from a, from a physical talent, you know, and, and watching him prepare and, and how he would adjust and improve and then ultimately perform. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, it, it made me realize how much goes into each and every camp. That was with Dre, was it? That was when you... Yes. Yeah. Yep, with Dre, with Brazier and... Uh, we had a bunch of good guys in camp. We had Sergey Darvinchenko. Um, you know, Mike Basil was with us. You know, he's a he's my cut man as well. So we had a uh, we had a great team. And how did it feel then to become the second Chris when when the big man arrived from Liverpool himself? <laughs> yeah. I chatted to him. Great, what what a fella! What a what a what an infectious guy! Yeah, what a character! Yeah, he was coming in. And I kept hearing Chris in the, in the gym, and we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have a lot of Chris in Bedside in Bedside Brooklyn. 
um it was pretty funny he's down in florida now all the time i believe that yeah dick uh, i understand that yeah but uh, he's a he's a great fella too but uh, you, you hear him long before you see him <laughs> and i say that with love i say that with love the last question chris and thanks again for your time from here in, in windy blustery ireland uh, a question from simone it's an unboxing f- a question it's uh, what moisture does chris use and how have you managed to keep those looks as a boxer <laughs> that's, that's that's a good question and, and i get in trouble with this all the time uh, because I don't use anything. I don't use any, you know, face creams or moisturizer or anything like that. Um, I don't know if it's been all the years fighting and sparring and putting Vaseline on my face. Uh, cocoa butter, you know, I use a lot. Of, I, I learned from the Klitschko brothers that they would use cocoa butter when they spar instead of Vaseline because your 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 face would absorb that. Vaseline just kind of covers it, but cocoa butter, your your skin actually absorbs and keeps it moist. So I remember Manny Stewart saying that about the Klitschko brothers because they got cut a lot. And I bruise a lot too, so I was like, "Oh, let me let me start doing that." And I've been doing that for you know a couple of years now, and it definitely keeps your skin skin pretty good. So maybe maybe that's the secret. I don't know. Whether it's cocoa butter, whether it's pure God given talent, whether it's just that fantastic attitude and that application and that approach, whatever it is, if maybe all mixed together. And just a case of being a hell of a nice fella. Chris Algieri, I wish you nothing but the best of Irish luck on Saturday night, mate. You make your own luck. You tear up that script again and you keep doing it until you don't want to do it no more. That's about it from me and them until then. Thanks a lot for listening. Apologies for the delay from the previous episode, but we won't keep you waiting too much longer for the next one. In the meantime, stay safe out there. It's a bit, it's wet, it's windy, it's dreary, it's cold, but the plus side is almost Christmas. Stay safe. Stay sane and smile and never forget, all's well that ends well.